thank you to everyone that has tuned in thus far and has helped make 52 Weeks of Hustle such a success. I've had such a great time sitting down with industry leaders. Thank you to the leaders and for all the listeners and your continued support. I'm excited to have joined General Sports Worldwide, where Lou DePauli and I will be focusing on executive search and team consulting. Our services will range from recruiting, onboarding, training, development, business planning, consulting, and much more. We're really looking to be a full service agency for our clients to assist them in their return on investment and return on energy. Please let me know if you have any interest. In addition, thank you for everyone that has supported the book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales, a playbook to be an elite in the sports business industry. It's available on Amazon in ebook, paperback, and audio versions. Be sure to check out 52weeksofhustle.com, as well as to follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business, or for those that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career growth, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week, returning. Returning back to a place you once worked or returning back home is a dream of many people in this industry. Our next guest has been able to do both, and I'm excited to have him share his story. I'm excited to have Nick Hendricks, Senior Director of Sales and Service for Churchill Downs Racetrack. Nick, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Travis. Nick, very excited to have you and share your journey. And let's start it from the beginning. You were born and raised in Kentucky, ended up graduating from the University of Kentucky. So needless to say, Kentucky's in your blood and now you're back there. Walk us through your growing up days. Yeah, I mean, uh, first off, excited to be here. Um, Thanks for having me on the show again. Um, You know, growing up in Kentucky, I was born and raised here, like you said, been here, you know, went to college at the University of Kentucky, you know. Didn't really know what I wanted to do or, or where I was, you know, in high school was thinking about playing some, you know, small college basketball. Uh, ended up deciding, you know, I was going to go to UK um, and, and get a business degree and uh, try to figure it out. And so, um, you know, growing up here in Kentucky, though, uh, I was definitely aware of all the, the things here in the state, you know, horse racing, basketball, bourbon. It's kind of yeah. <laughs> built into my whole nine. Um, but you know, was really focused on basketball, uh, growing up. That was kind of my first love and, uh, a little bit of football. Uh, my dad played college football. I hate to say I wasn't able to go the football route or the basketball route really competitively. Once I realized I wasn't good enough for, for beyond high school ball. Um, but then went to UK and, you know, just decided to, to try to figure out, you know, on the business side, what I was going to do. Um, and then, uh, you know, ultimately that led to, uh, my first job in, in sports and, um, but that was kind of kind of growing up to that point. Now, did, did any of your family, were they involved in any business or, or sports that like led you down that business path when you became a Wildcat? No, not really. Um, I, you know, my dad is a, a CFO at a bank, you know, and so he comes from a little bit of a business background. But, um, you know, other than, and I think that's maybe a little bit where I was like, oh, OK, my, you know, my dad's in business and um, I love sports. Um, and so yep. what's the connection there? And I, I kind of tried to start piecing two and two together and. Um, I'd say that's where I first found out that there, you know, there was a, a team behind the team um, in most sports organizations. 
Now, growing up, and, and did you ultimately, did you realistically even have a choice of whether you're going to be a Wildcat or not, or is it inevitable that you're going to Kentucky? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's pretty, uh, you know, up there at the top of uh, this is what you do. You know, I always joke and say, you know, I, I feel like I was pretty naive in high school and, and didn't really see the bigger picture of, what, you know, where I could have gone. I didn't apply to all the schools across the nation, but um, when you grow up in Kentucky, you kind of have a choice. It's, it's either Kentucky or Louisville. And, uh, you know, I grew up 30 minutes east of, east of Lexington, so there really wasn't any choice. And, uh, uh, you know, especially with no pro teams in the state, yep. it's, it's pretty much one or the other. And uh, I bleed blue. So as you say, you're bleeding blue for sure. Well, to, <laughs> to your point, you go on to be a wildcat. You receive a degree in business administration, minor in international business and theater. And you ended up to your point, you get into sports right out of school. You end up starting your career with the Indiana Pacers. So how did that role come about? Yeah. So, um, you know, actually in college, you know, the, to touch on the international business and theater minor, um, those were kind of added at the late parts of college because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and so I got the international business minor and, and side note, you know, studying abroad, that's actually where I met my, my wife, uh, when I was studying and, and picked up an international business minor in the meantime. Yeah. Um, picked up, picked I, up a spouse and a minor. <laughs> a spouse and a minor. So, um, and then I also found out, you know, I, I needed some additional credits and I had my mind on, on theater and full transparency. I joke with some of my old colleagues about this, but I was going to LA after graduation and I was going to, going to figure it out. And, uh, timing just so happened that, you know, I met my wife and then, um, I also said, you know, back to that sports sales stuff, I, I wanted to check that out. So um, I'd actually gone to a, uh, uh, a career fair down in Atlanta, and I'm ashamed to say I completely struck out. Uh, nobody called me back. Nobody wanted anything to do with me in the Atlanta sports world. So um, Atlanta, you missed out, I, I yeah. guess I'd like to say. But um, one of my friends at UK, she actually, uh, you know, texted me and said, uh, hey, I, I saw you went down to Atlanta at the time posting on Instagram, Instagram, was say this, I, the social media. Yeah. I don't have a, I don't really post on social media these days, but at the time, I thought maybe you were going to say you posted on MySpace. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. But you know, real cheesy post. And she saw that and said, uh, Hey, do you want to go up to, to Indiana to a, uh, a Pacers similar thing? And um, you know, my wife, she was going to IU. Um, I was, that was in Indianapolis. I used 45 minutes down the road in Bloomington. And I was like, this is great. I'm going to be able to go to this Pacers networking event then and go down and see her afterwards. So um, how it came about to answer your question is I went up there, I met, um, you know, one of my big mentors, uh, CRO at the Philadelphia Union. Now Charlie Sloniker was, yep. was hiring entry level. He's a former guest there. of 52 weeks. Awesome. That's right. Yep. I've seen his, uh, his episode and uh, you know, he, he and I hit it off and uh, really that was, he told me about this job working in injury level sports and uh, uh, I was going to be making a really small uh, amount per hour. And I think my dad thought I was crazy, but yep. you know, I said, hey, it's do. a job in sports dad and, and I'm going to go for it. And that was all she wrote. The rest is history. Well, as you think back at your time, you know, Nick, getting into the business, into the sports business, you came about it in kind of a roundabout way. What's something you wish you would have known as you got into the business and early on in your career that you know now? Um, I think, I think maybe back then what I wish I would have known was that, you know, I think if you play your cards right, it's all going to work out. I think there's been a lot of times um, yep. that I've really stressed out about what's next and, um, you know, really, you know, 
maybe maybe overthought it a little bit. But I think, you know, what I tell people these days is just is just play your cards right. You know, put your best foot forward every day. Um, something's going to work out. It's typically not what you think. Um, not at all. Um, I will say some of my steps I've, I've planned out and, and they have been a little bit more what I wanted. But, um, you know, be open to things, be uh, be inquisitive um, and, and don't narrow yourself down to just one path. Um, yep. because you never know where this thing's going to take you. And so be open. Yeah. Eyes wide open. And, you know, during your 11 month tenure, you know, in the first stint with the Pacers there as an entry level person, you're top on the sales board and at the time, the only consumer sales executives to sell a contractual sweet lease, which is, is always hard to do, especially as you're a 22 year old, just getting into the business. And so what do you feel like you did early on to separate yourself? Yeah, I know uh, some of my former colleagues are going to bust my chops and say uh, they were they were top of the board. You know, technically speaking, I don't think I sold the most season tickets or, or groups, but uh, and we weren't counting contractual sweet leases on the numbers at that time. But uh, I like to say, you know, you put that on that cherry on top. I was yep. I was on top. Game of the over. Board, but uh, <laughs> they'll they'll debate me. But I think that's that's the beauty of sales. Um, you know, I think uh, I think it's competitiveness, um, and so just like I say, they would say they were top of the board, you know, and it's debatable, but I think it's, uh, I always tell a lot of my staff, this is, is leave no stone unturned and, um, you know, make sure you're doing everything within your, your power to be uh, in a position to sell, but, but also be willing to, to get uncomfortable. Um, my first three months, I, I thought this is not for me. I actually remember thinking, you know, as much as I love sports and this is really cool, I'm not, I'm not too good at this, but, you know, I, I made a decision that, no, I'm, I'm going to be good at it. And I think uh, it's just like sports in that way. And that's what I love about it is if you put in the work, you put in the practice and uh, you take the time, um, there's no doubt you're going to succeed. And, and even if you don't necessarily have the natural born talent, um, hard work can sometimes pass up natural talent. And, you know, uh, if you got both, then that's the that's the best of both worlds. So. I agree. I've always said it's it's three things. It's passion, work ethic, and coachability. You know, and you've got yeah. that and you're going to be successful. Good things happen to good people. And so, you know, Nick, you're having a ton of success. You get the opportunity to go to New Orleans to work with the Saints and Pelicans as a senior new business development executive. And then you make the transition, but then shortly after you get the itch to return, you know, kind of that return theme of this podcast back to the Pacers as a corporate ticket sales manager. And now I'm sure you never would have thought after your short stint in New Orleans to return to the Pacers, you'd end up spending the next seven years of your career with the organization. And so what do you feel like the Pacers organization, you know, did and currently does to continue to retain top talent like yourself and even for you wanting to come back? Yeah. It's funny you say return. Actually, when I, <laughs> when I arrived back to my, my colleagues on my desk and put up, you know, like the LeBron return picture and they, they put my face on it. And, and yep. it was funny. They, they had some fun with it because, you know, they bust my chops again a little bit about that one. But, um, you know, that was one of the toughest decisions of my sales career, um, my, my career in general thus far, um, because, um, you know, I had to, I had to weigh the pros and cons. You know, uh, things were going great in New Orleans. I could have seen myself for, there for a very long time. Um, and, but what came up and, you know, the three things I say is that I always wanted that role that I came back to at the Pacers. And I'd say a little bit had a chip on my shoulder about that's what I wanted to, to challenge myself with next and improve myself with. And, um, you know, I'd gone down to new Orleans, but I wanted to, to I wanted that role first. And yep. so when it came back up, there was that, uh, the, the second thing was, is, you know, I think in this, in these 
in this world. You're playing chess sometimes and trying to figure out your next move, like I was saying. And, um, you know, when I looked at the map and, and and I was trying to look into my crystal ball, I said, I think my path to leadership, which is what I knew I ultimately wanted to get into, might be a little quicker. Um, at the Pacers if I came back and ultimately and that ended up being the case um, luckily yeah. and uh, third my uh, my girlfriend now my wife was back in Indiana <laughs> and she wasn't yep. coming to New Orleans anytime so soon and so gotta get back home that was that was back. probably the biggest thing but but you know to your question um, I think uh, uh, you know at the time the leadership there you know I had a lot of faith in them and, and I knew they got me in the right direction and um, I think, um, I just knew I was going to be set up for success and I was going to learn some things that, that could not be replicated. And, and not to say I wouldn't have learned those things in New Orleans is a great, great group down there as well. But, um, you know, you just looked at the pros and cons and ultimately you yep. had to make a call and it was a really tough call, but, um, you know, both places amazing. Yeah. And you hit on something there, you know, you decided to play chess and a lot of times in this business, you have to play chess, not checkers. You know, it's yep. not that immediate quick move. It's what's that long-term growth move and growth mentality. And you mentioned that, Nick, you, you, in your career at the Pacers, you were having a ton of success selling, but you knew you wanted to get in leadership. And, and then ultimately you did transition to leadership. So as you think back in your initial launch, and, you know, we, I asked this question about getting into the business, but then getting into leadership and early on in your career, what's something you feel like, you know, you know now and, and how have you evolved your leadership style from your first leadership role to your role now? Um, I think in the first leadership role, I, you know, I think it's, everybody says this, it's easy to think that, you know, you're going to just create 10 of yourselves and that's going to work. Um, uh, I'd like to think I figured that out pretty quickly that um, 10 of myself is, is not going to work. So I, I did try to hire different people than me, um, but I think the thing that over time I've learned is like you, those 10 people aren't meant to mold themselves to your leadership style. Your, your job is to mold your leadership style to their needs um, and try to figure out how you can get the absolute best at them. Um, and that's something that I've been passionate about my whole career. And um, sometimes I don't see this in myself, but I think you probably know this. You, you see somebody with a, a crazy haircut and you're like, man, they'd look a lot better if they didn't have that haircut. Right, right. Yep. I think it's uh, I think it's my job to try to try to look at people and say, you know, how can I make you the absolute best version of yourself or at least help you along? There's a lot of accountability with that. Um, but I think, you know, initially I was trying to create 10 means maybe. Um, and, and that's just not the way to go. And I think when you add in uh, the ability to have such a diverse team and difference of thought, I think that's what where things start to really turn and change and you create a really dynamic, strong team. And so, um, but, you know, there's challenges along the way. Everybody responds to, to feedback and criticism differently and even positivity and rewards differently. So I think you just got to adapt, adapt your approach depending on the person. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. 
And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Nick Hendricks, Senior Director of Sales and Service for Churchill Downs Racetrack. And so, Nick, now with your time at the Pacers, you held four different roles in those seven years as you moved to Senior Corporate Ticket Sales Manager to Director of Consumer Sales and Service to Director of Corporate Ticket Sales. And so what do you feel like you did on such a consistent basis to continue to get promoted? Yeah, this one's uh, one that I actually probably figured out uh, a little bit into that second, you know, uh, sales role, but, you know, I think it's just, I think it's just staying laser focused on what your job is, um, what, what your role is. And, and if, especially getting up into leadership, you realize so much how, how really your, your bosses just want you to do your job and they want you to do it well. And they want you to, you know, we developed a few things that I don't remember them off the top of my head, but I know a lot of them was, you know, your leader's going to, going to respond well to you and love you. If, if you're backing them, you're challenging them, respectfully challenging them. Um, you're doing it, you know, maybe a little bit sometimes in private, but if it's going to be in public, sure, let's, let's discuss this. Let's get feedback, but let's, let's do it professionally. Um, but at the same time, you've got a job to do. You got to do it at a very high level. And so um, I think what allowed me to be successful was that, you know, I tried to check all those boxes. I tried to be the, you know, exemplary employee that, you need anything, I'm there. I got you. Um, but I think the other thing is is to, to lead others on your colleagues as well. Bring them along. You know, I think you could sit around and say, you know, this sucks, that sucks. And, you know, organizations aren't perfect. Um, they have flaws. And so, you know, I think you have to ask yourself what you're willing to accept. But at the same time, you can decide to either, you know, um, rally and, and be positive and try to make things better or or just do your job and, and stay in your lane and, and do the best you can in your role or you can wallow and be negative and and almost be a detriment um, right. even if you are a, a, a real big asset you know I think some people have some natural skills that you know being super negative can um, can deter them from being super successful but you know ultimately I think that uh as long as you stay positive. And that's not to say that there aren't things that need to be fixed. Sometimes there are things that need to be fixed. And, and I think it takes some bravery as well um, to step up and say professionally, these, you know, these things need to change and I, I wish they would, or we could be better, but there's, there's always a, a right and a wrong way to go about that. And I, I think once I figured out that um, I hit on a few good notes. Yeah. And I think you had the nail on the head, right. Is, is don't put yourself in a position where you're getting in your, in your own way. Right. right. I think that's what we've all seen in leadership and, and seeing people in this business in general is, you know, they may be the best salesperson. They may be the best leader, but they just get in their way um, and yeah. with negativity or whatever it may be. And, you know, a couple of times throughout that process of why you got promoted, you talked about, you know, people. And I know people have always been an important piece of your career and certainly your leadership style. So what are the key characteristics you're always looking for in successful people, whether that be an entry level person or the next leader and everybody in between? Yeah, I'm really a big believer in EQ. You know, first off, um, we used to make that a kind of a required reading at the Pacers, Emotional Intelligence 2.0. Um, and so I'm looking for a sense of EQ, but that goes back to a little bit about what we just talked about, and being able to know the difference of 
um, the right way and the wrong way. But I also just have this this thing that I say and I, I kind of compare it. You know, I'll say Kobe Bryant was one of my, my biggest role models growing up. Um, you know, his passing and everything kind of comes to, to light here. But I think that he was always trying to be the very best he possibly could. And, you know, maybe he, he actually is a good example of a lot of people say, you know, Jordan had some more of that natural skill. But, man, you know, Kobe was known for a guy wasn't going to give up. He was going to be as be the best he possibly could be. Uh, maybe shot, you know, a few too many shots here and there, but um, I think that's, that's what I've always said I'm looking for is, is I want somebody that wants to be the best at this, you know, um, the best in sports business, you know, what are your goals? What are you, what are you aspiring to, you know, people without goals, a question, because it, you're just kind of meandering through this thing and hoping it'll work out. But I think uh, for me, I'm looking for people that, that want to be the best. They have goals. Um, or they just really have that innate sense that they're trying to make the most out of life. You know, they're trying to squeeze the, squeeze the juice out of this thing. And uh, I can work with that. You know, Uh, I have a hard time working with people that, that that don't want to, to be the best. And so um, my other, you know, analogy is, you know, there's a lot of NBA players that, um, you know, they get there and they've got so much talent in the first pick or the second pick. And you see this, you know, top 10 picks, how many of those fall off and they're not that good. Right. Um, I think, I think largely that's up to them. And I think when they get to the league um, or in this case, they get to the point where they've gotten to a position where they have a chance to, to ramp it up and, and continue to put in the work. They just don't. Um, And I have to keep challenging myself on that too. Um, You know, life is stressful, but um, I think that's what I'm looking for. No, absolutely. And you know, Nick, you, you certainly had a tremendous career and journey at the Pacers and, I know there are several opportunities that came across your way over the years, but the opportunity that really landed with you, which you end up being and what you're at currently is your next quote unquote return. And that return was to go back home to Kentucky, work in the most exciting two minutes of sports. And so why was that the right move for you? Yeah, I mean, it goes back to the checkboxes thing I said, Travis. It, uh, I mean, in this scenario, I think I laid out 100 checkboxes with my wife <laughs> and said, you know, look at all these, look at all these check marks. And I think, uh, you know, there were some things, you know, my wife's getting her doctorate uh, right now in nursing. And, and there was some, you know, for a few years there when she's, you know, at the beginning of her school, there were some dynamics that were tough for us to, you know, me not to, to put my goals above hers. Um, and, and we're both very motivated, very, very um, ambitious in our careers. Um, but once, you know, we worked out those, those last three check boxes with her, uh, you know, a hundred of a hundred really um, on the opportunity to, to come here and, and, and build upon what they've already got. This great team, this amazing, amazing uh, historic venue, um, iconic event. Um, and then, you know, I tell people I, I really didn't intend to come back to Kentucky, but um, it re- that really spe- speaks volumes to, you know, one of the checkboxes was as well, the leadership here and their vision for the future and, uh, and where they wanted me and, and us to take this thing. And uh, when I went through the interview process, but, um, you know, the additional part was Kentucky. Uh, I love Kentucky. <laughs> um, yep. Always have, always will. Everything about it from from bourbon to basketball, like I said. <laughs> and, um, you know, I grew up going to horse races over in Lexington a lot. Um, since I've been here, you get asked that question a lot. How much did you know about Derby before you got here? And some people it's none. Some people it's like I came to 45 derbies, you know, right, yeah. um, for me, it was a, a couple um, and I've seen the thing um, 
I'm excited to see it from behind the scenes this year. But right. um, I went to 50 horse races growing up in, in Lexington over at Keeneland, and um, it was built into the fabric of uh, my family, and we always did that every every spring and fall. So uh, I think a lot of people out there in the sports world don't understand the magnitude of horse racing. Right. Um, and, and it's, it's a big deal here. And, um, yep. you know, I think all those things, when you tie them all together, it was always a tough decision to leave a great organization and great position, but it's just, uh, I'd have been kicking myself if I said, no, I think. Yeah, it's the right opportunity. Well, you had mentioned Nick, you know, as, as you think about, you grew up in Kentucky, you love Kentucky. And there's a lot of people in this industry are like, I'm growing up in this state and I want to stay here and I want to stay my whole career. I want to work for my favorite team. You had the opportunity to kind of move away multiple times from study abroad days to Indy, to New Orleans, back to Indy, to now back home and return home. What's your advice to listeners on being able to like be willing to get out of your comfort zone and maybe move and you can always come back? Yeah, I think it kind of goes back to what I said earlier, you know, take risks like um, you got to be willing to take those risks and you'll be so surprised what you find out about yourself. Um, I think uh, a lot of people say, you know, in that income or that uncomfortability is where is where you're at your best and you can grow and become the person you were meant to be. Um, If you kind of stay in the shadows and you try to just be comfortable, you're never going to turn into what you truly could. And I think I, I, I need to continue to challenge myself on that daily and, Um, you know, we used to tell our corporate sales reps, it's going to that networking event and just showing up is half the battle. Right. Right. Um, and so, um, you know, to your, to your question about being able to come home, those opportunities will still be there for you when you, you have the chance and, you know, it worked out timing wise, this opportunity came up when it did. And, and obviously you go through a process and it ends up coming to, coming to life. And I got the chance to come back, but um, home will always be there. I think go out there, test yourself, yep. see what you're capable of. And, uh, maybe you never come home. Um, you know, for right. me, I don't plan to be in Kentucky forever on that same note. I hope, uh, uh I hope we have you know, a really successful, lot of years here. Um, and I continue to grow here, but, uh, I'm always open to, to the future. And I think everybody should be, um, but that doesn't mean that hey, you won't be, that doesn't mean I won't be here for 30 years right. and, and retire at Churchill Downs. But, right. um, as long as you're open and you're, you're, you're challenging yourself, I think you're all right. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, Nick, you just made the transition just over six months ago. How's it been so far? <laughs> it has been great. Uh, you know, it's what I signed up for. Drinking um, out of a fire hose a little bit. <laughs> yeah, definitely getting, uh, I, I say, uh, drinking out of a fire hose too, but, uh, or baptized by fire. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's been great. You know, um, it's, it's a whole new world and that's what I wanted. Um, you know, NBA being, you know, 40 to 45 home games, playoffs, depending on how far you go, you know, a few random events and, you know, suites and CA stuff like that here and there. But, um, this, this industry and horse racing is, is just totally different. And, uh, I've been trying to keep that in my mind. My, uh, my staff doesn't, forget to remind me that this place is just different but you know just trying to to bring over all my all I've learned from such great leaders um you know mentors as well and people I've connected with like yourself throughout the industry and just continue to learn and grow um but luckily I'm fortunate to have someone here who's you know she's downloading her brain into mine and 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 showing me along and and making sure that that I learn this place as fast as I can so trying to take my time and and try to do it the right way you know um, I try to be too slow and steady, but um, it's been great. 
Um, but I still got still got a lot to learn about this place and this event that happens in May. Um, yep. It's going to be here before you know it. No, absolutely. And now to that to that event, right? Most people have heard of the Kentucky Derby. That's certainly your jewel event. But there's also the Kentucky Oaks and 70 plus other race days at the iconic track. And so in addition, you oversee a special events department that's executing major corporate conferences, numerous weddings right there at Churchill Downs underneath the Twin Spires. And so what does a day to day look like for you? Yeah, it's uh, (laughs) I probably need to get a little more, get it a little more organized, but, you know, it's going from from one department and one world to, you know, hour by hour. It's it's a whole different space Um, because you're right. We we have Oaks and Derby, which is the crown jewel. And, um, you know, that that probably takes up half my day thinking about that and and what we're planning for that Um, and and working with my my boss on on what that's going to look like. But then we transition over into Derby week. And so and, you know, for those who don't know. Oaks and Derby, you're talking, if we get back to, you know, full capacity this year, which we're planning for, um, you're talking about 200 to 300,000 people here on two days. Right. Um, but then you've also got Derby week, the the four days before where we've got another couple hundred thousand coming out on those, those days, Derby being, you know, primarily Louisville's event. Um, and we're trying to grow that. Um, but again, a lot of people don't know, we've got a spring meet that happens two to three months past, uh, past the Derby. And yep. we've just, right back at it every Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and then we take a little break and we're back in September for three weeks, weekends of Wednesday through Sunday of racing. And then we got a fall meet, which is kind of capped off by that Thanksgiving weekend. And so um, I'm trying to work on, you know, how do we maximize those premium days within there, peak on peak and, and how can we grow that? I think if we can really grow our day at the races, um, that'll be amazing as well as obviously always capitalizing on Oaks and Derby, but Yep. You asked about special events. I mean, um, we've got a hundred and then outside of that, we've got 150 plus um, uh, special event days here at the track on dark days. And, and, and so, um, you know, I'm working on making sure that whether it's a wedding or a corporate convention that we're, we're maximizing those. And, and that business is, is a whole another animal in itself. So, you know, my days, you know, spent, and diving into each of those. And like I said, here in the first six months, learning as much as I can about each of them, but trying to find ways to, to make those processes more efficient, maximize revenue, um, but also take care of our staff and make sure they have the tools they need to be successful for, for each of those different entities. But, yeah, um, and that's why I came here, you know, um, is, is it, it has that crown jewel event and, you know, that Super Bowl style event, you know, some of those bowl game style one once a year events, but, we still have 70 plus race days. So, um, and they're all treated like a, like, like any other, you know, pro sports leagues game is as well. And so um, it's the best of both worlds. No, absolutely. And as, as you think back to your MBA days, how do you feel like selling some of these individual events compared compares to what you were doing on the NBA side? Yeah. You talking about special events, whether it be individual race of the Kentucky Derby or the Oaks or individual race nights versus special events, like, you know, where maybe the NBA side, you're selling more season tickets or group tickets. How does it compare? Yeah. Yeah, I was actually thinking about that a little bit. The last question, you know, um, the dining aspect, I would say is the totally is the big difference. Um, Yeah. You know, obviously you've got your clubs and um, you've got uh, different hospitality spaces at NBA arenas, but you know, we actually host people, they sit down they have a, a lunch or a dinner um, and the tables and the configurations in those spaces are sold as tickets. You know, I'm, I'm used to the clubs are kind of a 
you know, first come, first serve, everybody just do whatever they want in there. And then your ticket is out in your seat. You know, those dining seats are tickets. And so, um, and they move and sometimes the tables aren't there. And, um, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to streamline some of those things, but it's, we also have about on a given day, it can, it can mix up, but uh, anywhere from four to, to 30 dining options that are out there. And then you've got boxes and then you've got, um, all these unique little spaces that I've, I'm still trying to wrap my head around over, <laughs> what they are. Um, over the last six months. But um, I think that's the big difference versus, you know, NBA arenas and, and the product. But um, here as well, I'd say the other big difference is, um, and, and a lot of teams were getting into this and we discussed it, um, but memberships. So, you know, we've got too big, our turf club, we have a membership club. Uh, we just um, rolled out our home stretch membership club. Um, but this just, it's just different, you know, versus, you know, you just buy a season ticket or a season ticket plan, but we also have a season box program, um, where people can do that throughout the regular season. But, um, you know, and then I'd say on, it's a little similar in this way, but a lot of those things, you know, they don't get you access to buy Oaks and Derby, uh, Oaks and Derby is a standalone. Um, and, and in some cases though, it's kind of like getting your playoff tickets. You get, you get some, some priority on getting Oaks and Derby, but. Um, it's not quite the same. No, absolutely. Well, Nick, this has been great. Such a great career journey you've had. Always nice to hear someone that's kind of now outside of working outside the traditional sports. And as you think back to your career, what's been your best memory? Oh, that's an easy one. Um, it's definitely been the people. Um, I, the reason I show up and do this every single day is because, um, that moment when, uh, when somebody on my staff can, you know, has, has gotten to a point, a station in life where they can get married or they can buy that first house or they can pay off their car or they get promoted. Um, or we just have, you know, a really successful business moment and, um, we can all kind of rally together and and be excited about something we achieved. Um, but it's seeing the people, you know, uh, actually, you know, through looking through some of the people that I've worked with over the years and, and actually thinking about, you know, you know, who could I get to come join us here? You know, looking yep. back and seeing where people are at now, um, you know, and and where their lives are at and checking in with them. Uh, I think that's been the best for me, and I'm excited to see them continue to grow. I know you've got a big tree of people in sports, yep. and um, so I think it goes back to the tree of, of being able to help people in life and, you know, show them the way as so many have done for me. Um, that's definitely the best memory, and there's tons of those, but um, – awesome. You know, there's business memories too, but those are just yeah, right. it comes numbers. down to people. <laughs> you know, it starts and stops with people. Well, Nick, this has been great. Such a great journey. To close it out, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? Sure. Yeah. When you get a day off, what's the first thing you're doing? Uh if I get a day off, I'm I'm with my boys uh and my wife, um, with the family. Um, we're probably traveling somewhere, as you talked about. My wife and I met studying abroad, but yep, uh, we're probably traveling somewhere or um, I play a little golf, um, a hopeless golfer, um, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe, uh, meddling. I meddle around. Most of us are a little bit. <laughs> yeah. If you I, had I to eat, around, yeah, uh, exactly. If you had to eat one meal for the rest of your life, what would it be? Uh, steak and, uh, loaded baked potato or twice baked, baked potato and, uh, probably like asparagus, some kind of green item. Uh, That's straight Midwest meal. Right there. That <laughs> yeah. is a Midwest Play rare. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you hosted a talk show, who would be your first guest? Um, dead or alive? <laughs> dead or alive? 
Uh, dead or alive? Well, uh, probably my mom. Uh, she passed away last year. But uh, aside from her, just to, to pick their brain, like I said earlier, uh, Kobe Bryant, for sure. <laughs> nice. No, that's great. Well, to close it out, Nick, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Um, you know, something I, I kind of keep with me every day. Um, I guess you could say this is the three things, but is uh, control what you can control. Um, you know, it's the serenity prayer, uh, have the courage to change what you can and the wisdom to know the difference. Um, I think if everybody can take that with them every day, um, you can do some pretty incredible things. I think that the key one is, uh, courage to the courage to do so. Um, yep. and a lot of people, you know, uh, second guess themselves, but I'd say, you know, have some courage, uh, think about, is it really going to matter in 10 or 20 years and, uh, go out there and, and try to get what you want out of life. Awesome. Couldn't agree more, you know, con control, you can control. I love the courage and the wisdom and, and Nick, thank you so much. You've had a great career. It's always a pleasure talking to you. And I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Travis, it was a pleasure to be here and thanks for having me on. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.